Welcome to another Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we're going to be talking all about another podcast other than this one. And the reason for it is because Sea of Thieves has started up their own podcast. All that and more in this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. Of course, this episode of Keel Hauled is brought to you by the people that are supporting me over on Patreon. So feel free to join up. We are doing events this month that are going to be just for the patrons to try and thank them for their support. Uh, if it works out well, then I'll look to see if we can do it with the rest of the community as long as there's time and people are interested. But I have to thank all the folks that join up. So thank you. Chateau Neuf, Cosmic Johnson, El Jefe Esteban, Lumpy SRQ, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Michael O'Rourke, Regis, Stella, Rust Belt Kid, TN Professor, Todd Meister, Big Bad Pad, Mina Ferry, CJ Super Pack, Davram TV, Frank F, Kazia the Rogue, Windsor Chris, and Zam Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. And with that, let's get into the show. All right. Well, this can't start off with podcast talk. Obviously, I have to talk about other stuff that's going on, because if I talk about the podcast, then you're going to be like, well, why didn't I just listen to the podcast? So I have to give you some news. And if you listened to last week's episode, then you might already be uh, wondering what's going to happen with season two, because as I mentioned last week, there were some discrepancies based on the in-game uh, times versus what I've seen on the websites as, and their videos. They sorted that out. Thank you, team, for putting into due diligence to make sure that the dates and times in-game actually reflect what we can expect with season two. So season two, begins on April 15th, which is just a few days away if you're listening to this at the time of recording. It's great that we're getting this so quickly. It feels like it hasn't been that long, honestly. We've had three events. I have been level 100 now for a little bit, and I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward to season two because I think that we're going to get treated to some really awesome content. And you might be wondering, well, what kind of content can we expect? Well, first off, it looks like there is a whole new bunch of liveries that are coming with this update. Now, I don't know exactly how we're going to be achieving these. I knew that they were coming because of things that I've seen and heard in places that you too might have seen and heard. So I'm not going to really cover that if you're an insider, because if you're an insider, you generally already know what's going on and you're not too worried. If you're not, then I'm just going to base what I see off of the videos that they gave us. I already know what's coming. I'm very excited. And if you're an insider, hopefully you've been testing this stuff, but we're going to be getting some new cosmetics and the stuff that we've seen looks like it is straight out of fantastical pirate aesthetics. I'm talking your Pirates of the Caribbean, your Hook, your, your Black Pearl-esque stuff. This is the stuff that really speaks to me, like that, that hardcore pirate stuff. And the right off the bat, if you begin watching the video, you're introduced to this livery set that is black and red and golden motif. It has what looks like the Blackbeard logo with the skeleton with the horns and the holding a spear downwards and, and a, a, a staff in the other hand on the actual sails. The figurehead is, oh man, the figurehead is beautiful. The, beautiful. It has, if, um, I'm trying to think, 
chained up skeletons. Uh, if you go up to the top of Galleon's grave, you'll see that there's a chained up skeleton in a cage. This is very much reminiscent of things like Pirates of the Caribbean when you see Jack Sparrow coming into Port Royal and he has a, a or is it Port Royal? Oh man, I'm starting to question my memory of that. Anyway, you you remember Jack kind of coming in on the the small ship and he sees the skeletons hung up. Uh, well. In, in other variations of that, there is an iron cage that skeletons were uh, in when pirates were hung out to just starve to death. And then, you know, crows or seagulls, birds and stuff would kind of pick their bones and whatnot. And you'd just be left with this bleached skeleton. This figurehead is representative of that. And there's two very large lanterns on the sides of it with big sweeping things of uh, silk, you know, spools of silk kind of drawn out off of it. There's so much filigree uh, painted on the front of this hull. It's so beautiful. It really is majestic. And I think this is probably going to be the thing that a lot of reapers going to jump on. In fact, I'm, I'm not going to be too surprised if I come across reapers uh, out there who are sporting this because this is right up there with the reaper pajamas that everyone really loved. A lot of people who were just kind of dyed in the wool killers, you, you generally probably don't care about necessarily wearing the reaper's costume. You're, you're probably wearing what you normally do because that is your pirate. And I, I don't blame you for that in the slightest, honestly. Wear what you feel comfortable wearing because it is very much who you are. And let your skills speak for themselves and not necessarily what you're wearing. But the one thing that I do have to state on is it looks like we're getting another skeleton costume. This one looks very much like a black beard kind of skeleton. It, it looks similar to what the uh, costume was for the Festival of Giving when we had the skeleton cursed uh, costume for that. This looks very similar to that, but it is it's almost on par with what you would expect with a pirate lord or a skeleton lord, actually. And I, I, I really like this because it's been, gosh, almost since the beginning of the game, when the game kind of came out forever ago, uh, that was kind of what we wanted. I, I remember speaking to Insomniac as we were sailing around and, you know, his pirate lore was that he was a cursed skeleton and he wanted to have a skeleton curse so that he could look actually like he was a skeleton, you know, and and this this feels like we're getting there. It feels like we're finally getting it. Uh, I, I was taking a look at the video and pausing it. And in the background, uh, you get a really good look at the livery set as far as like the cannons uh the cannons are beautiful it looks like the the portions of the cannon that hold the actual cannon in place it looks like a pair of gold brass knuckles i know it's weird to say gold brass knuckles but brass knuckles that look like they are the color gold kind of built up on the sides uh the cannons themselves are are black and they have gold filigree along the along the actual running along the actual length of the cannon and on the back side of it you can actually see this giant gold skull with little bits of silk draped around the sides of it. It's so nice. God, it looks so good. Um, 
as soon as I saw it, it made me think of the ship that is in uh, Never Never Land in Hook, where it's just really elaborate, really, really kind of uh, uh, spent out. And as you kind of move through the video, it kind of shows us some of the new things that we can expect. Um, we're going to be getting new emotes in the Emporium. Uh, one of the ones that seemed uh, kind of natural is there looks to be like a, a new dagger throwing one or a new dagger kind of flipping around as well as a uh, uh, kind of i can't even remember what the name of this game is but it's a game of of uh skill actually the the one thing that i can point to is the movie alien where they have um the knife game where you have to hit the dagger in between each of your fingers and not cut your finger off and whoever can do it the most amount of times in the shortest amount of time uh wins we're getting one of those emotes which is great i don't know who on the team did the uh recording animation for this because if you if you've been following CTs like I have you know that a lot of the time they'll actually come out and say like hey you know this person did this dance emote or this person did uh this motion motion capture for uh George uh and in some of the tall tales that that they've actually animated so I'm, I'm curious to know if uh John internal air uh, McFarlane was the one that had to do the the hand dagger uh, bet or betting. Um, it looks like there's even one where you're going to be carving up uh, mango at one point, which is kind of nice. So plenty of stuff that's going to be coming to the Emporium. We'll find out more very soon. Uh, and it looks like as we kind of move through the video that we are going to be getting whole new livery sets uh, for the different emissaries. Um, this was something that I noticed as we were going in, which leads me to believe that we are going to be getting a refresh on the emissary ledgers. Uh, this is something that we had been told was coming. So back in 2020, the emissary system kicked off. And when that kicked off, we had emissary ledgers that would allow you to turn in a merchant or order of souls or reapers or gold hoarder uh, loot to those respective ledgers or emissaries or trade companies, and you would earn ranking. And that ranking would then be calculated at the end of the month. And whoever was in the top 25% would get the best rewards. Well, that program has been stagnant since its launch. We have never seen a refresh of any of the reward cosmetics for those emissary ledger systems. And looking at the video, I'm looking even six seconds into this video, it is apparent that that is a merchant alliance type of livery set. And you might be thinking, okay, cool. Well, you know, I don't really go for any of the trade company stuff, especially if I'm spending money on the Emporium for the really cool looking stuff. Why would I want this? Well, that's going to be a personal decision. It really is. But the thing that excites me about this, the thing that I love is just how vibrant the colors are. If it's one thing I've talked about is Arena has some of the best looking ship liveries in the game. And I have wanted those ship livery sets to come to adventure because they're just so bright and vibrant. And if you're sailing around in the shores of plenty or the ancient wilds, how can you not want to be immersed in big, beautiful, vibrant ships and islands on big grassy knolls with your ship looking beautiful and majestic on the horizon. Like it's so amazing. It's photo worthy. Rare, please put in a photo mode for the love of God. What are you doing? You're killing me here. So I'm really excited to see some of these livery sets coming into the game and having them look like the ship 
sets from arena now i i don't expect that we'll ever see the arena livery sets in adventure it'd be great if they did and they just deleted arena and moved everything into adventure and really kind of like just really kind of reinforce that that desire to to make adventure the best mode that it could be you know maybe even have a world event where the world event is a pvp sea dog event and everyone sails to the middle spire and there's a countdown and then there's a sound that goes off and all the ships have to sail out and once they leave a certain area then you get flagged and chests appear and you have to go capture the chests wherever they are in the world and then bring them back to the spire and just have that mode where you went out and you got a chest and you brought it back and you turned it into the sea post uh turn in points and you, that was how you earned silver just make that a world event. Put it into adventure mode. There's plenty of ways to do. Whoever participates wins. Whoever uh, doesn't participate, well, not whoever participate wins. We're not giving out participation trophies here in Sea of Thieves. That's just ridiculous. We don't do that. No. So, but whoever participates has an opportunity to win. And that leaves people to be outside of the event and come into it and decide am I going to be that type that takes a rowboat to the spire, kills the people that show up? and turns in stuff to get the silver that way it leads in it leads an element of surprise that isn't apparent in arena because in arena you know exactly how many ships are out there you know exactly where those ships generally are and you know exactly when someone's going to be at one of the two turn in places in arena but if you bring that to adventure then oh there's a there's a that's a fun possibility right there with all the different things that can happen in arena. It may not be fair, but it'll be fun. I guarantee that. So I'm happy to see in this video that we're going to be getting some different merchant livery sets and order of souls livery sets. And we haven't I don't think I've seen I'll be I'll be going through this video, but I haven't seen the actual uh, gold hoarder or reaper's bones yet. But the order of souls. Oh, Mm, chef's kiss it is true to its type of aesthetic it has that very order of souls uh look if you if you take a look at the order of souls livery set that's available now or the costume they've definitely leaned into the uh, types of of green and maroon look to it everything looks very kind of pushed together uh, as far as like tied with yarn and uh, a rope um, you know you've got scarves and stuff very unique aesthetic but it looks like they're getting much more mystical about their livery set and i really appreciate that and we're getting some interesting liveries which i wonder how these those will actually compare to the dark adventurer set uh, as you kind of move into the rest of the video um, and granted this is a this is a 40 second video there's not a whole lot but it tells a really good story you see what will now become the fort of fortune and a giant red skull in the sky that really i'm, I'm going to get into it later when i talk about the uh, the 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 sea of thieves podcast but this i think is going to be a game changer i'll get into why later but i'm really happy to see that we're getting a re-emphasis on skeleton force because they felt so so much of what the heart of sea of thieves was in the beginning and the last thing that that we dive into before we finish up this video is probably one of the most interesting things i've seen it is the barrel hide emote and you might be wondering well, what does that mean for for the game what does that mean if you haven't watched the video well if you haven't watched the video then i would encourage you to do so but to best describe it 
it is you putting a barrel that looks exactly like all the other barrels in the game over you and you cannot be seen. Now, a lot of people have tried to hide in things or tuck behind things. This is actually just making you look like a barrel. And I think it's a brilliant way to kind of introduce a new aspect to Sea of Thieves uh, as far as like hiding and being more sneaky in the game. I, I'm never that type. I'm never the type to go around sneaking around. I'm always the type that just likes to have a straight on fight and to see whoever the best pirate wins. Uh, but with this, it's going to be interesting to see how many barrels you're going to run into as you, you know, as you're working your way with your Athena chest to the mysterious stranger if you're going to find like five or six different barrels in the middle the middle of the outpost that just probably weren't there so i've seen a lot of people say okay well i'm going to start memorizing what the real barrels are now so i i can at least know how many barrels there are between now and uh, between the dock and the mysterious stranger so i don't get caught unaware well that's great that's good if you want to do that i'm not going to tell you not to what I will tell you is just to do the thing that always happens is look for mermaids. Mermaids are always the dead giveaway. And as far as I know, Rare has not decided to take away the or give us the ability to dismiss our mermaids. So until that happens, it doesn't matter where you go. If you think there's going to be somewhere on someone on there, do a circle around the actual outpost, sail around it, check for mermaids. If you see a mermaid, send a couple people over or send a person over or go to a different outpost. See if you can kill them. If you kill them, great, because there's probably not going to be a ship anywhere near and they're going to have to figure that out. But always keep an eye on the horizon and always take a look for mermaids because that's going to be the biggest clue. You don't have to try and count whatever barrels are on an island. Why bother? It's not going to make a difference. If you see there's a mermaid, there's a person on there. If they're not tucking somewhere where you can't see them, then maybe they're using a barrel. There's so many places to hide on an outpost. I can't see why anyone would want to focus on this. But what I will say is that this is going to be a great way for people to hide on forts because forts generally have a bunch of barrels and not many people memorize where those barrels are. And there's places where it's just easier to hide a barrel. And to be honest, there's going to be more likelihood that you're going to have a mermaid on a fort than you will at an outpost, especially if it's highly contested. So I'm really looking forward to see how this plays out. Uh, I've seen a lot of great memes on Twitter already about people saying that they're going to go to a fort and it's just a photo of a fort, but there's eight different barrels hiding on random things, not trying to look conspicuous at all. They're just like out in the open. Very hilarious to see that. So I, I love that. That's how things are going. I'm sure that we're probably going to see some really fun uh, clips from streamers as they go out and kind of play around with this, see how long they can do it. It's just not for me. I'm not the type to sit around and just wait for stuff to happen. I would much rather go out and try and actually, if I can reasonably know that I've got a good chance of sinking someone, I will chase them. But there's definitely times where I probably won't. Is it time to talk about Sea of Thieves official podcast, episode one? I think it is. April 8th, with a current view of 37,000 on YouTube and numerous downloads audibly uh, on different podcast services, Sea of Thieves has reopened the doors to podcasting. This is a really interesting move because for quite a while, 
we haven't had weekly streams. This was something that was typically a way for devs to help showcase content creators and to bring a little bit of levity and some teases to the community by playing the game for a couple hours each week. Something that a lot of people look forward to. Uh, There's a lot of different Obsidian code bundles that went out as a result of this. But this is not the first time that Rare has gotten into the podcasting business. In fact, back in December of 2018, uh, or no, excuse me, January or no, July, July. I'm reading the wrong side because the way YouTube does or not YouTube, the way Apple does stuff, it's dumb. The number one episode is the latest episode. It's not the first episode. I don't know why they do that. It always messes with me. But anyway, Rare LTD themselves used to put out a Sea of Thieves Tales from the Tavern podcast. This was available on YouTube in glorious 4K, and you could always uh, leave any kind of questions on the hashtag Tavern Talk. I went through these episodes all the time. I would listen to them for hints and teases and learn more about the game when it was uh, about to be launched. And I stayed loyal to that podcast for a very long time. And it was great to hear John and Emma uh, kind of go through and talk to different devs about what was going on with the game and their different approaches to what they want to do with the trading companies and with the aesthetic and how they plan on uh, doing content post launch. And I really loved these episodes. It was great. And and in fact, it continued on post launch, uh, but it definitely hit a stride where they weren't always regular. And that was always a problem with podcasting. When you're doing podcasting, you want to make sure that you were consistent always, even if it doesn't feel like it's going to be that good of an episode, or even if you have to take a a week off. Sometimes it's good just to put up an episode if you know you're not going to be available and say like, hey, sorry, we're not available and we're going to come back next week. Even just something as simple as that. But now that Rare has decided to do Sea of Thieves podcast v2.0, I'm very curious to see how this goes because I love this podcast. And if you talk to me at all about this podcast, you may have been asking, I've actually had quite a few people ask me, Logan, you are the podcast guy for Sea of Thieves. How do you feel about Sea of Thieves doing their own podcast? Doesn't that kind of encroach on your space? It's not my space, folks. It's not not my place to be here. I'm the fan for this podcast. I've actually been wanting to talk to these devs about this stuff that they talk about in the podcast. And I hope that they continue to do so. I hope that they continue to get these these experiences, these discussions that I've been asking for these devs to come onto my, my podcast to be able to talk to them about this stuff. And they can actually choose in this form how much they can give away. In fact, they teased a lot of stuff that was actually going to be coming now and in the future. And I can't wait to see how this all kind of plays out. So for those of you who might be worried about how I feel about this, if I'm upset that they're doing a podcast, I want to promise you I am not upset. I'm not disappointed. I'm not worried. I'm not going to be changing anything. And if anything, thank you to all of the new listeners that have found the podcast because of this. I've really enjoyed seeing the numbers. Uh, People have been hitting me up and telling me like, you know, the podcast is doing really, really well on the charts. I've been seeing how many downloads I've been getting. It's been insane uh, to, to try and find out, you know, 
that you guys are, are looking for this kind of content. Uh, so I'm really happy to see that everyone that's listening to this, hopefully you're new, hopefully you're, you're, you're hearing this for the first time. Welcome. I cover the news. I cover my speculation. As you heard earlier on when I was talking about uh, the, the season two stuff, expect that as a regular. But the one thing that I love to do for this podcast is I love to have community. A community is all what this game is about. And I love to bring on streamers. I love to bring on uh, people that are diehard fans, people that are involved with Sea of Thieves and my community as well, too. I love to bring them into the podcast because their voices are your voices. You all have amazing experiences and I love hearing those experiences and I love to showcase those stories and experiences on this podcast because the podcast is in service to the game and the community in the way that I want to make sure that it is representative of what is going on with the community. So when I'm upset about something with the game, I will say that. And I don't think that's necessarily something that the Sea of Thieves official podcast is going to do. I don't think that they're going to say bad things about the game because it doesn't make sense from that perspective. They are using this as a way to reach out and deliver content to the community. So it doesn't make sense sense for that. But I am hoping that with this podcast, they'll be able to answer the hard questions that the community is asking. And I, I definitely see that they are committed to that. They brought up a new hashtag over on Twitter and they're using hashtag SOT podcast. And I'm really happy for this because people are engaging with it. There's been a ton of people. I've I pulled up TweetDeck. I opened up, opened up a new column and I specifically searched for SOT podcast. And I have not only my questions, because I've definitely got questions, but I've seen a ton of questions come up from other people, people that probably have never even heard this podcast. So if you're hearing this podcast, I, I want to thank you for one, for downloading it, for giving me a chance. Hopefully I can earn your loyalty the way that you're loyal to Sea of Thieves and want to hear about this game. I will do my best to win you over. Uh, but I, I love these questions that are coming in as a result of this podcast. Uh, Overthrow Z, hashtag Sea of Thieves podcast. Maybe hard one to answer. Xbox One is now a seven-year-old console. Are there any plans to drop SOT development for that console? Overthrow Z, I can guarantee you they are not going to drop it. There are still well over 50 to 60 million units out there. They want to make sure that this is this is a game that is going to have a healthy thriving community and when it's right for you to upgrade you're going to be supported all the way up into that decision i've seen a ton of other questions on here let me see if i can grab one let's see dreaming nomad watching sot podcast right now i've had ideas to use molten sands fort as a player activated event lighting the beacon in devil's roar from the south to north that enables a fiery fort experience the use of beacons again i actually really love that idea i think it's great it commits people to doing that act you have to do it and i would love even nomad to go further with that idea and say hey you know what if someone sees that they're working on molten sands fortress have someone actually go to one of the southern fort or one of the southern beacons and douse it and that shuts the event down and it forces whoever's working on it to engage with the player to go back and try and do something and that offers an opportunity for whoever doused the the lantern to actually be able to uh figure out like how are they going to approach the situation at this point because they know that there's another crew going after them it actually ties in really well to the idea that i had for arena where they could use beacons as capture points and actually hold capture points and keep leak uh beacons lit 
so that you earn points. So I, I love ideas like that. I'm, I'm trying to look through a couple of these real quick. I didn't prep this at all. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Lex, X-Ray Lex, one of the, the fans of the podcast. I know he's, he's probably listening to this. Any chance of lifting the level cap on trading companies or extending the renown above 100 in seasons to give invested pirates some tangible progress? Hashtag SOT podcast. Heck yeah. Let's see that. Let's see that reward continue on beyond 100. Let's see how high people can get. I see it in Destiny all the time. People have 200, 250, 300 season levels, and they keep getting uh, real world uh, engrams that you have to, you know, they get engrams for the real world money store that they can get content from every five levels. I would love to see something like that and see a thieves for the for that. Um, I love that they're doing this. I'm I'm excited to see what kind of devs they decide to bring into the podcast to actually ask some of the hard questions that we're asking. And hopefully they do. Hopefully they do touch on topics like world events or uh, ship numbers on servers or hit registration, um, all kinds of different stuff, uh, content that feels recycled, things like that. I hope that they really touch on some of those topics because having a better understanding from the dev perspective helps give a little more uh, leeway with the community. Once we understand why things aren't working the way we expect them to work, then it makes an infinite amount of difference when we approach the game, knowing how things are. Like if you look at an island and it looks like it's from N64, those islands are streamed from the server. So the reason why they look like they're from uh, you know Legend of Zelda or Arena time, it's because that data is being streamed in and has a numerous amount of factors involved on why it doesn't load in properly with the proper LOD and why they've had to change the LOD in the past, which is why you see ships out on the horizon. They always look like they have their sails down, but as soon as you get closer, you realize that their sails actually up. That LOD is based on how far you can stream in that data based on the servers. Stuff like that is amazing information to get. And having Sea of Thieves actually producing their own podcast now with devs that they have full access to is a perfect way for us to gain a better understanding of what's going on with the game when a lot of the times people will feel like their questions or their inquiries are falling on deft ears. Ahoy there, Pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any to VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and i continue to try and improve the quality and content for you with that pirates let's get back to the show so you're probably wondering this is the first episode of the sea of thieves official podcast i like that they 
put in the official there because, well, I can't claim that. And Rare, if you're listening, I love you, but please, next time, just hire me. I'm already doing the job here. Uh, maybe if you want to, you know, start an Everwild podcast, I'd be down for that as well, too. But let me know. Hey, I'm 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 open here. You know, I, I I'm working a regular nine to five. I could be your guy. I could I could do the thing with the microphone. I'm getting a new mic soon, so I could be this dude. I'll get a new camera that isn't you know a normal Logitech webcam that I thought was sufficient you know five years ago but apparently technology improves so they say i don't know microphones seem to seem to stay the same over the last 40 generations but what do i know I don't, i'm just a i'm just a dude making a podcast for fun on the side but to get into the podcast and to stop teasing what's been going on there were a lot of really good questions but i wanted to start off introducing the cast if you haven't watched it uh i would recommend you watch it because it's entertaining i, I love watching the, the folks over at rare they're my extended family so alex uh honeyset is the head of life service uh, chris davies is the senior designer on the game we had our our normal uh kind of our our, our usual suspects in the in the form of uh, christina mcgrath who is the head of community really awesome person i absolutely love her uh, i also saw uh joe neat who is the elusive white whale for my podcast the the man who refuses to come on to any podcast that i'm involved with which totally fine i understand but i know he's a social dude and I know he likes riding motorcycles and I'm, I'm going to talk to you one day, Joe. I'm going to talk to you. Even if I have to stream snipe someone again, I'll do it. I promise. And Mike Chapman, who has been on the podcast uh, in the past and an amazing guy to talk to. Uh, it's He is just a font of imagination, creativity, a wealth of knowledge for, for lore. And it's just an absolute joy to, to talk about with anything. In fact, I'm, anytime anything happens in the game that I'm excited to talk about. He's always the, he's always the first one that I go to. He's always the first one that I DM and I'm just like, Oh my God, dude, you're never going to believe what I just saw. This is amazing. I can't believe you guys nailed it. Thank you so much for investing the time because Holy cow, that was excellent. And I, and I absolutely loved it. And then of course, John McFarlane, who is our host. He is our, our, our one kind of taking us along. Um, it was great to see the faces that I'm used to seeing all the time. And it was great to hear the voices that I love to hear all the time. And it just kind of reassures that things are not quiet, that things aren't slowing down with this game. And we got to talk about, or they got to talk. I didn't, I felt like I was there, but I wasn't. Uh, I, I feel like they covered so much in this, but the emphasis of it was seasons and world events. Those were the big things they wanted to touch on with this episode. And I'm glad that they did because it really kind of gave us more context to what was actually going on with the season video, the Sea of Thieves news video that we got uh, this week, or I guess technically this last week, uh, that's starting on the 15th. So with season so far, they're definitely seeing the community playing more. Uh, they're dipping in and out of the game for events and feeling a sense of progression and reward by playing on top of the stuff that they're doing on a regular basis just by turning in loot. That sentiment is echoed, I think, throughout the rest of the community, even with uh, to even to the point where, for example, X-Ray Lex mentioning in the SOT podcast uh, hashtag that they would want to see further 
increasing in the in the levels for renown or at least with the reputation gain to see an increase with that we want to feel those numbers going up since we're not increasing our power we're just increasing our reputation or our renown and that is kind of a a fun way to play around with that but i would i would take another look in 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 just kind of maybe take a look at see what's coming with season two because i feel like maybe with the emissaries if if i'm thinking what's right is right that we're going to have a way to have one more thing to check off our list as we sign off on the rest of our, our voyages throughout the day. We'll check and see how we're doing on our renown. We'll check and see how we're doing on our reputations. And we'll check and see how we're doing on our emissary ledgers. So if you're topped at the top with 75 across the board, except for uh, Hunter's Call, Sea of Dogs, and um, Athena, because Athena is only 20, then you're probably not too worried about one of the two uh, or one of the three that I just mentioned, but not a big deal. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get a level cap at some point. I'm sure. Uh, Mike actually made an interesting point that they still want trade companies to be at the heart of game of the gameplay loop, but the seasons should kind of stand next to the trade companies as a complementary system, which really just kind of reaffirms the, the gameplay loop of going out, getting treasure somehow, depending on however you want to get it, doesn't matter how you want to get it, but as long as you get it, that they still want you to focus on turning that stuff in. I don't know why I just pulled my microphone. That was weird. Uh, so I, I hope that that is the case. I'm looking forward to that being the case because I really like it when we we feel that satisfaction, that, that, that rush of having a huge haul and wanting to turn it in. If it's anything I've, I've, I've always been consistent on, I want to deny loot. I love to deny loot and and whether that's denying loot by turning in the stuff that I got or the ill-gotten gains that I acquired from a very friendly pirate who went out and got it for me against their knowledge. I just love to deny loot. I don't care if I don't necessarily get it. It could sink. It could go out to the Red Sea for all I care. If I don't get it, that's fine. I just don't want anyone else to get it. That's the key. And I think that is a much more fun way to play because it's much better to take something from someone and deny them the satisfaction of turning that in and turning it in myself. And oh God, I sound terrible. Wow. Sorry. Moment of clarity there. Uh, Reaper's Bones. Really strange. I would love to see some changes that kind of offer varying degrees of uh, reward for stuff. I know you do have the difference between uh, stolen loot versus not stolen loot. I wish there was a way that we could see how that plays when you actually turn stuff in. Because when you turn stuff in, I don't really feel how there's a difference between what I steal and what I don't steal because the numbers always vary. There's always a range of, of turn and reward for what you're turning in. And I would love to actually get a difference visibly on the screen to see like how the stuff I turn in is different. So if we go into future seasons, my one, one bit of feedback is I love the idea of having a difference with the loot that you turn into the different trade companies. And it's great that the ledger system allows for something like that, but I, I still feel like the the go-to for most people is Reapers, just purely because you can turn in anything to Reapers and have that earn you the bonus off of turning it in. Whereas if you go gold hoarders, if you find skulls or you find crates, things like that aren't going to earn any kind of bonus with the gold hoarder. And it's kind of a shame. So 
maybe we need to find a balance. Maybe we need to say like, hey, if you're a level five uh, gold hoarder, congratulations, you've earned that reputation with the gold hoarders. You'll earn the, f- the full bonus with that. But because of their reputation with the Order of Souls, they do have that agreement. The Order of Souls is willing to offer a little bit of a kickback if you turn in some skulls alongside the actual gold hoarder stuff as well too and it may not have to be like the full bonus but it gives incentive for people to play as a gold hoarder emissary as well and not necessarily defer to the reaper's bones which you're just going to get the bonus on anything you turn in i would love to i would love to get some feedback on this folks you're, you're listening to this and you're probably thinking and you've got some good ideas about that put a pin on it write a little post-it note send me an email c-a-p-t-l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com that's c-a-p-t-l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com head over to twitter at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n join the discord the link is in the show notes send it through the feedback the questions let me know on the podcast channel bring it up in tavern talk let me know what you think of that situation is that an adequate situation to incentivize players to go for gold hoarders or order of souls or merchant alliance or athena's fortune i i think i was sailing last night actually i was sailing with uh caleb and um oh gosh bolty i think we were with bolty that night and we were doing uh no no that was a different night i think we were sailing we did uh athena emissary we didn't get to rank four because getting to rank five is really tough i I think we just barely got to rank four and we had a sloop that was literally hovering around. Well, not literally. They were hovering around us in the sense that they were keeping a safe distance, but they were Athena Fortune Emissary as well, too. But they played like a Reaper. In fact, they played like a Reaper that was trying to stake out a Fort of the Damned. It was really weird. But we we rarely ever come across other Athena fortune emissaries out in the world now granted this crew ended up playing cat and mouse with us quite a while they kept thinking they were super crafty and what they were doing they were totally going to outmaneuver this galleon and thanks to an awesome play by caleb who actually used the obstacle course on the spire he managed to lunge onto uh the sloop that was passing by as our ship was careening around one of the giant uh rocks in the middle of the spire we were coming around chasing them they thought they were they were crafty they thought that they had the the maneuvering ability and the ability to to man the sloop really well no they they got boarded caleb killed them dropped anchor we blew them out of the water and took the flag and they were bitter they were super bitter about it and they kept coming back after after and we kept sinking them each time because then that's when they got aggressive that's when they stopped just following us around now granted at the beginning of the night when they came by we totally started shooting at them but i'm going to shoot at anyone if i have a gilded athena on the line so i don't care if you're athena athena fortune emissary you are not getting credit or touching those athena's chests those are a gilded those are ours you don't get to touch those sorry but we managed to get them we got them all turned in we had a really good time fighting with them and ended the night really really well how did i get on this tangent i don't remember i'm going to take a break and try and get my thoughts back i'll be right back All right, so I had a moment to think about it, and we're back at the Sea of Thieves podcast uh, discussion. This time we got uh, Christina, who is 
head of community. She brought in some questions that she wanted to have the team answer. And she said that some are disappointed with the live events and what are the plans going forward to kind of address that. So that got brought to Alex, who is head of live services. And he kind of explained that looking forward to uh, what people are saying and what they like and that they don't like, they're planning to actually have more interesting and memorable moments for seasons three and four. And I wanted to touch on this because it seems like that would be kind of bad if you think about it right off the bat you know you're wondering okay well what about season two you know we're getting season two how come we're not going to have cool stuff in season two well unfortunately it's that that's how game development processes work uh right now they are taking the lessons and feedback uh, from season one, and they're going to be applying that to seasons three, just on how the teams are actually working. And we actually did get a bit of a, uh, update that we found out that one of the teams is actually called gold hoarders and that we now have an idea because back in the day when the game first came out, we knew that there were three teams. There was the hungry deep team, the cursed sales team, and the, uh, forsaken shores team. And they were ramping on hiring up a new team to be working on the fourth update, which ended up being a arena now that everything has been kind of consolidated we've learned that there are a few teams so i don't know if those have been start or i don't know if those teams have been designated to the different trade companies and does that mean that there's still four independent com- or uh, uh, teams still working on the game it makes sense to me that that's the case but as we're kind of learning each of each of the different teams is going to be working on a different season's worth of content, uh, kind of how they've been leapfrogging each other as content updates come out. So it's exciting to see that while we may not get some of the changes that we want uh, based on what we saw in season one, in season two, we're going to be getting those as early as season three at the latest season four. Now, obviously, we don't know how long or how how far out these seasons are going to go this is a new system we're just getting into it to see how well it works so far it feels like this has been a really good way to approach the game it seems similar to how other games do a live service game but in this instance it feels natural to play the game and still get some sort of progression on the renowned system the way it is chris comes in uh and talks about how the team is trying to respect the player's time. This is something that I think really hits home with how Sea of Thieves is been battling content update versus uh, time to enjoyment or, or time to play. Uh, we've always been constantly asking devs to respect our time. Sea of Thieves is one of those games where it's easy to really sink in a, a large number of hours into one session and not really realize it or or not necessarily always get a good outcome from it, um, especially if you're on the losing side after getting sunk and you lose a bunch of treasure, which again always goes to that point, turn in often, turn in whenever you feel like you have enough that you don't want to lose. Better that you turn it in if you're not necessarily rank five emissary or you're not very certain. Uh, if you're comfortable having that much loot on, then lose everything to something silly like a megalodon or a skeleton ship with the wrong cursed balls. So going to Chris, who is one of the senior designers, who was very eloquent, by the way, uh, I really appreciated what he had to say during that Sea of Thieves podcast. It was nice to see that the team itself is acknowledging that they want to respect the player's time. Uh, they are playing the game themselves. They, they want to get into the seas and get onto the game and enjoy it as well. 
And seeing the season notifications are there to help people feel good about when they're actually sailing and that they're doing the right thing. You know, if you're out and about and you get into a Kraken and you kill the Kraken, you see the notifications for the season renown reward for that. And it's supposed to incentivize you and say, hey, you know what? This happened to you. And it may not have been the best thing, but you still made the best of it. And you're getting rewarded for that by earning renown for that. And those little notifications are just there to kind of nudge you along and say, hey, it doesn't matter how you want to play. You're still earning something, even if it doesn't feel as tangible as gold or a, a flag or something like that. Uh, John came in with a QA. What kind of content can we expect in the future? And the team talked about how three years ago, they had everyone kind of come together for a big meeting and had everyone kind of jot down and toss their ideas onto the table. And the team then uh, took it, uh, the leadership, um, Joe actually kind of took a look at it with uh, Mike and a few of the other designers and uh, content you know, directors and sifted through everything, started to kind of put it into different buckets and really kind of worked out how they were going to build story around the different ideas ideas. Uh, now, three years later, we're getting to the bottom of that bucket and they've kind of gone back and they're going to be doing more kind of gathering of ideas. Now, they've always had ideas to kind of work on. In this instance, it's nice to see that they are still full of things that they want to do with the game. And I, and I appreciate that they're letting us know that this is something that they that they have been wanting to do for a while and that they're finally getting to the point now where, for example, the mermaid statues, uh, cursed objects in the seas, we've known nothing about them other than Duke set us out to go destroy these and return with the gems to give to the different trading companies for some reason, that maybe things like that or the skeleton thrones uh, may finally be resolved. We may finally start getting answers to some of these questions that are in the seas that we just don't understand or know that much about. What's going on with Tribute Peak uh, out in the shores of gold? Why are these giant king's statues out there? You know, what is the design behind them? What were they building these monuments to? Who were they to? Were they to people? Who were these kings? You know, learning more about the the ancients or the merfolk or any of the other mystical or unknown entities in Sea of Thieves that we just don't understand for the time being and hoping that throughout this year for 2021, they're looking to try and answer as many of those unanswered questions, those uh, little tidbits of information that they put into the game, but haven't really addressed since their introduction, that they're looking to try and wrap up those stories so they can kind of start working on bigger crafted narratives for the future of the game post this this year. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. The last thing that uh, I think I wanted to touch on based on this current episode deals with events. Uh, as I teased earlier in the beginning of this episode, we're going to be getting new event uh, with the uh, trailer that we saw. There's a big red skull in the sky over a fort, very indicative of the original E3 trailer when they saw uh, ships sailing towards a skeleton cloud in the sky. That meant that we are going to be getting a brand new type of fort. This is going to be something that is significantly harder and will not appear as regularly as the normal forts do and should probably be considered better than a fort of the damned or a molten sands fortress. I'm really looking forward to this because some of my my most 
enjoyed moments and most frustrating moments were the fights at forts. And back in the day, we used to we used to hide fort keys. It was actually a a really good trade if someone found a place where they could stash a key. And some of them were hard to find, some of them weren't. But it was definitely one of those times where whoever happened to be on the island when they killed the skeleton captain, which is all it was back in the day. Back in the day when a fort was done, it was just a skeleton captain. We didn't have skeleton lords. We didn't have numerous skeleton captains. That all came later. Uh, granted, the skeleton lords are now one shot blundering people in the face, even when they're not facing you. And that's frustrating. So I can't imagine what would be harder than that. But I'm sure if you've been on Insiders, you probably have an idea. This Fort of Fortune is extremely interesting because unlike other world events that just kind of appear and they they even actually did address this too. I did want to take a quick note and address that they are going to be mixing up how events work, that their events scheduler that was uh, designed back for the oh Shrouded Spoils event that came at the end of 2018, November 2018, that event scheduler program has been in use since then and everyone kind of understands how it works it's random to an extent but you generally know that if an event is down it's possible to spawn a kraken and now they're going to be changing that up you may not know what's coming next they may have a kraken spawn before you really realize it like there could be something that allows them to have one event up and have a crack and spawn even if that event is up which is a really interesting thing because that was a very it was a very key thing back in the day when it was just krakens and forts man if you got if you killed the fort that fort was going to be down for another three hours and you had to know like whoever was the first ship that was sailing out from that fort if everyone was there that was the ship that was going to get hit with a kraken and y'all knew it. So you used to have to send out like a ship to go kind of bait the Kraken, or you would have to hopefully hope that you got back to the fort before the other crew finished the Kraken. Because as soon as they sailed off, you you knew they were going to get that Kraken. And sometimes you hope that, you know, it wouldn't be you, you know, maybe they didn't leave and maybe you were trying to get back to them and the kraken hit you instead and they got away scot-free with the entire loot now this was a much different time we didn't have rowboats to be able to load up we didn't have easy harpoons to be able to grab loot off of there so i'm very interested to see how these forts hold up now that we have different tools that quickly enable us to be able to grab treasure compared to grabbing a piece running it out of the vault literally climbing up the ladder of your ship to get onto it so that you could then put it down somewhere and actually go back and grab another piece. It was a way different time back in the day and it was so much harder. That being said, I'm interested to see how this Fort of Fortune works because they hinted that Athena chests and Athena items could be in the loot pool for this fort of fortune and you may be thinking you know after a while people are probably going to give up on that you know once there's enough people that have hit level 20 in athenas they won't have to worry about it i just have to go back and remind you only three percent of the population are actually pirate legend there are going to be a lot of players going after this and the reason they're going to be going after this is because this isn't just some silent event that sneaks up on you one of the interesting that came, things that came from this was 
that when this event starts, there's going to be a foghorn or a warning klaxon, if you will, that will resonate throughout the entire server. No one will not know that this thing is going on based on what they've talked about. And that is so much different uh, of, a, of a scenario compared to what it was like back in the day, because back in the day, it was just one cloud and it could hide in the other clouds and you didn't ever know if it was up. But if you did and you saw it, that we used to have wild, uh, you know, speculation on what the what the color of the eyes meant compared to what was going on at the fort. And you hurried over there to see what was going on. And once you saw what was there, depending on your situation, you either chose to stand back and let them work on it or you chose to engage and finish it yourself. Or sometimes you just left them alone. A lot of different ways to go about it back in the day. There wasn't as much to do. So when something did kick up and there was actually a an event to go have fun with, a lot of us kind of worked on it because it was one of those times where that was the best way to get treasure. That was the best way to get gold. And if Athena Fortune Emissary is sticking the way it is and it's still really difficult to hit level five, I could definitely see a few people starting to work on these forts of fortune, start working on getting them, them levels up for Athena's uh, level level twenty. Try and get that that loot. Try and get that treasure. It'll be really cool to see how this all plays out, and we're not far from it. So I'm excited to see how people spend their night. I'm sure a lot of high, uh, a lot of people that have nights off uh, from work are going to be getting onto the seas to get into this event and see how it plays. I'm really interested to see how hard this is because it seems like there's really high loot. And it's just going to be a really, really fun thing. Uh, as I kind of close this episode out, um, I did want to offer one bit of Sea of Thieves podcast question. I don't know if uh, my question will get answered in the next episode. I did post it on Twitter to see if they would grab it. But I am hoping to find out more about the lore that is going on with this Fort of Fortune. Because as I can see it, if this Fort of Fortune has higher amounts of treasure, depending on how it is, uh, how it's defended, I'm wondering if Flameheart still cares about these uh, tributes because that's what they are. The the skeleton ships that are out roaming about, not the ones tied to directly to Wanda or the skeleton fleets, but the random skeleton, skeleton ships would go out and gather treasure from sunken ships or just where they could get it from the gold hoarders. And they would bring that stuff to these forts and they would fill up the vault and then lock it with a skeleton key guarded by a skeleton captain, now skeleton lord. And as such, those were tributes to Flameheart. Well, Flameheart's in the sky now. His soul's free. What does he need the gold for? What does he need all of that for? Or is it skeletons just doing skeleton things? And are they still trying to give it to Flameheart? Does he still need it? And if he does, what is he doing with it? What is he trying to use that gold for? Or is it just a way to deny treasure from other pirates? I have a lot of questions around that, and I'm hoping that with the advent of this new event, we might get some of those answers, but only time will tell. All right, pirates, as I'm closing this up, I did get a couple questions in on the questions and feedback section of the podcast discord channel. Grumpy monkey wrote in and said, OK, different idea. What if the whole room for captain's quarters, uh, it would be difficult f to fit that into a sloop. The brig back section is a common tuck spot and the captain's cabin on the galleon is a good rotation route for combat that would suck to be locked up. Uh, but instead, 
the there is a box somewhere that is big enough to fit up to like a chest of ancient tributes or Athena's keg uh, or whatever the biggest chest type is. If it's where you could stack all your loot, like the captain's cabin, but doesn't have the same problem as locking away part of the ship. And this is in regards to uh, the last episode where I had thought about the idea of having locked doors on the galleon where someone would be designated as the captain they would be uh, killed and upon dying drop a key similar to how fort keys are dropped or skeleton key ashen keys are dropped things like that and then you would use that key to unlock the captain's quarters on a galleon and have whatever treasure is in there uh it, it's an interesting idea i know it's a good route for combat but people adapt that's always that's always something that just happens with the game you know people find one thing it gets changed or people learn how to defend against it and people adapt uh the meta is always going to be shifting with combat so i don't really take that into account because if something did change someone would find another way to kind of go around it um with the sloop in the brig it is tough to really kind of designate a an area because you can't obviously lock off the back of a brig uh with the way that the ship takes damage the whole stern would actually be invulnerable uh or you'd have to have the door open all the time in case you got hit back there and needed to repair so that's that's definitely a tough scenario the sloop does have an area if they change the way the the brig the actual brig not the brigantine but the brig on the sloop is a, a totally useless area right now that does have a locked key door and the brig itself in the actual uh, brigantine i think would be an interesting thing let's take the brigs actually let's use the brigs and have a functioning key right now it's just an area where if people vote you in you get spawned into that area and are trapped you can't get out you have to get voted out of it it's very useless nowadays when we have ways to bring people who we want onto the ship we have closed crews uh back in the day if you're just listening to this and you don't know we didn't have closed crew options uh open crew is anyone can join the crew you can always change that in type uh in game after you've already spawned a ship but we didn't have any options like that so the way a lot of people got rid of unwanted people who were joining onto a ship uh either unbeknownst to them or maliciously then you would lock whoever your friend was from being able to join that ship now that we have closed crews that's no longer an issue and the brig is mostly used for trolling purposes but what if we repurpose the brig on ships gave the the key an actual function and let the captain hold it on their person as if it were an actual special compass we have the special compasses now from the gold hoarder if you drop a voyage type if you want you can go down to the brig grab the key out of it it enters your inventory but you do drop it if you die and it doesn't matter where you drop it but there could be the possibility that you lose that key and this is kind of an old idea too this was actually a, a something that they tested back in unity when they were building the the game at its base functionality to test out if it was worth making sea of thieves well they had that function and they subsequently removed it due to the frustrations of losing a key and i could definitely see how that would be frustrating if someone died they lost the key and were never able to open up the chest uh or or get what they needed to out of the actual chest back in the day now with a brig that's a little bit different 
important because how do you open up the brig unless you have like maybe a blunder bomb to bust it open or a powder keg maybe uh, to, to break open the lock. I could definitely think of a few ways you could get around that, but it's still an idea that I'm kind of tinkering with in my mind and would love to understand if there's a good through line, if there's a good way to fund that could be investing into that type of system because otherwise what are those things good for you know they're they're kind of dead weight on the ship and while they don't really take up anything or impact the game if you take them out or leave them in it would be interesting to see if they could be repurposed in any way i did get a few other questions hopefully i answered most of them uh this week but i do enjoy having them in case there's a week where it's going to be a little bit lighter on news or i'm not doing some sort of review on the content that we have and thanks to zam wow one of the patrons uh i did get an idea from him that actually revolves around the game uh so in the event that we start getting a little bit lighter news and i feel like i don't really have much to add to the current content that we're playing at the time, I'm going to start working on more focused episodes that dive into the lore of the game. A lot of YouTubers have kind of done this, but there's nothing really audible uh, for people to be able to dive into the history of Lorena or the Masked Stranger or Duke or Stitcher Jim or Ramsey's or Rathbone or uh, DeMarco or Lissetti. You know, there's a, a wealth of characters in the game. And so many of them have an interesting story to tell. So I think what I'm going to try and do uh, is start working on episodes that I can start pulling in lore, talk to people, do some research, build up an interesting story or an interesting episode and try and get those either recorded when I'm ready for them or when we're kind of a, in a slow week. And if, for example, we run into a, a drought of content, instead of trying to come up with something, I'll try to give you guys some backstory on Sea of Thieves to help kind of inform you of maybe some of the past events that have happened in the game that you weren't present for to give you a little more basis or understanding of what's going on. Like, why are there Wanda's journals out in the middle of nowhere if no one has been playing the game past year one knows who wanda the warsmith is or the weaponsmith or who salty is and why he's tied to this tall tale for the trickster you know there's so much of this game that has evolved over the years so thanks to zam wow i'm going to try and build these out and bring them to you uh, when we're a little bit lighter on content or a little bit lighter on news or stories but this again comes back down to the discord server or the email address or twitter feel free to reach out to me even if it's through xbox uh my gamer tag is in the show notes i have a lot of people that follow me but i never get any stories or questions from you there that's always an option uh i may not respond just just due to time it's nothing personal i love getting the 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 emails and stuff from you and i try to address it on the podcast so that everyone has an opportunity to listen to what you asked because you obviously felt that it was important enough to ask. So I want to share that with everyone on there, which is why I generally don't reply to any of the emails and stuff that I get, uh, because I think it's something that should be shared with everyone. With that, Pirates, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So uh, if you want to get a hold of me, and if you, if you want, definitely, if you're a new listener, welcome. I hope I've earned your uh, time 
this episode and hopefully for future episodes. You can always get a hold of me on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. That's capped Logan. You can always reach me at C-A-P-T L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com if you want to send in an email or just look up the Discord link in the show notes or on my Twitter account. You can always join the Discord server. It's a great group of people who are constantly sailing, talking about games in general, talking about Sea of Thieves, sharing their stories and feedback. I really appreciate and love them. They mean the world to me and i would love to have some more of you join that so other than that feel free to keep looking for that sea of thieves official podcast on apple podcasts and the last thing i want to say before we get out of here is thank you to the two folks that wrote in the reviews we got one on april 8th a five-star review says highlight of my week by the zachary or za zethery I think it's Zethery. Let me know. I'm actually curious if it's Z3-T-H-A-R-Y, if that's Zethery. They wrote in and says, I work nights at a warehouse. I understand your pain. And podcasts is how I pass my time. After subscribing to The Keel Halt, it's definitely in my top five podcasts. Keep up the awesome content. I will. And thank you for letting me be in your top five. I hope your nights go safe. And I hope you don't get too bored. I know exactly how you feel. The other one comes in from Slayer2489. Great show, five stars. I enjoy the show and always look forward to each week for new episodes. Thank you for your great content. Thank you, Slayer. Keep slaying. And with that, Pirates, that's going to do it. So thank you. I love you. And I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves. Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls Online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier Podcast is here to help. I'm Bob Chichinsky. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE. To PvP. And everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red Diamond Courier. We We hope hope you check check us out. out. Thanks. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are Dragon Breaks? How does Chim work? Where did the Dwemer go? And more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel.